0: wild baby wild baby wild baby wild, wild baby. baby welcome back to another episode of wild baby we're your hosts maddie wong and jay Bouquet, colorado-based portrait photographers sharing our personal perspectives and journeys through societal expectations on beauty
1: wild baby is here to provide people of color gender identity, and sexual expression, a safe community that will allow everyone to grow, learn, and heal.
0: Disclaimer, we are not licensed therapists, sexologists, or claiming that we know everything. We are just a community who wants to have interesting conversations
1: that will hopefully allow us to heal.
0: Happy Fridays, Wild Babies. We hope that this week has been really good to you. We hope that this week has been inspirational and productive, even though I'm not feeling it, but it's okay. We're pushing through. We're pushing through. (laughs) (laughs) We got this. (laughs) So today we are so honored and excited to introduce you to someone that I really look up to, someone that has influenced me so much in my growth and in just my point of view about Life and everything. Um, we want to introduce you to my friend Nikki. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, to hi, Nikki. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Of
1: course. I've heard a lot of things about you. Oh, wow. I've, <laughs> I've never actually met you in person. Yeah. And I didn't, it's interesting how we're all like interconnected. Mm hmm. Yeah. in ways that I am so oblivious to. Such a
2: small world. Uh, you know? Exactly, such yeah. a small
1: world. Um, so welcome, I'm really honored for you to be here. Thank We're gonna you. dive into some really cool topics that I'm excited about, but before that, mm-hmm. the premise today, people, is <laughs> people. <laughs> <laughs> people of the world, <laughs> is, is APPI, API A- 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 P- Or A and H P I depending. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the whole abbreviation stands for Asian American, American, Pacific, American
0: Pacific Islander.
1: And H P
2: I is National <laughs> Hawaiian Pacific <laughs> I- Islander. I'm like okay. making sure that we keep Native Hawaiian Pacific oh, Islander. Yeah. I'm okay. 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 um, okay. making sure that
1: we're giving yeah. inclusivity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Okay. Nikki, do you want to give us an introduction? What are your pronouns sure. and what's your background? <laughs>
2: So um, my name is Nikki Robbins. Um, My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I identify as mixed. So I am Japanese, first generation, Japanese, and Russian Jewish on my father's side. Mm. Yeah. And I identify as queer. um, And yeah, that's
1: me. Sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Maddie's told me that you have... marketing agency yeah -hmm. yeah so what is your career background a little bit of that
2: oh my career background is a little bit all over the place Um, I actually went to college for jazz flute Um, (laughs) I come from a long line of musicians and it was always like such a big part of my life and I actually came out to Denver to go to University of Denver Mm -hmm. um, for music and of course having an Asian mother she was like you need a backup so I got strategic communications degree as well and I worked um, I actually worked in um, fashion for a little bit and menswear Uh Um, and I moved out I I moved back to San Francisco which is where I'm from and then I moved back and was working at a few tech startups just kind of trying to um, figure out what type of workplace I wanted to kind of sit in and I love working with scrappy startups but realized really quickly that being a queer woman of color that there just wasn't a lot of inclusivity it's all Mm. about like hustle culture and making as much money as possible and inclusivity was very much a on the back burner and not really necessary people Mm. just need to work and doesn't matter who they are as people Um, and so after working at a really toxic terrible startup for two years um, I met my business partner Katerina who is incredible also queer Asian American um, and She was like, why don't we start a marketing agency? And I was like, you're crazy. Like, what do you mean starting a marketing agency? Like, you can't just start a business, which now we know is so easy in a lot of ways. Like, the resources are there for a lot of entrepreneurs. But this was in twenty. this was in 2017, 2018, and I was okay. just like, I don't know about that, and she was like, I do, and I think we could do it. So it originally started off as just a content marketing agency. We were both really passionate about, you know, um, authentic marketing, you know, strategic, um, strategic messaging and marketing. And then, um, about a year into the business, we we were just. We were really good at our jobs, but we weren't feeling really fulfilled with the clients that we were bringing in. And it's almost like we were staring at the answer right in front of us. And we were just sitting there like, what is it that we need to niche out as? Mm -hmm. And we realized, frankly, that all of the clients that we didn't enjoy working with or didn't feel like a good fit were racist white men Mm. who really did not trust us and our expertise and there would be times where just as queer Asian American women we were like hey we recommend that you use this type of language or we recommend this and they would be like nope absolutely not
1: just dismissive
2: super dismissive and so we realized at that moment and this was before 2020 we were like okay it's inclusivity it's inclusive marketing it's Mm -hmm. making sure that folks are feeling represented in campaigns and the language is inclusive and that we're actively trying to involve everyone Um, and something that we talk about in marketing is if you're marketing to everyone you're marketing to nobody and I think that's partially true but a lot of it is also that we as sometimes as business owners, think that there's one audience that's going to resonate with whatever we're creating or saying when, and then we kind of pigeonhole that as the only types of people that we're talking to. And when we're looking at inclusive marketing, it's about really allowing everybody to be a part of the conversation. And maybe you find new audiences through including people that aren't traditionally included. Um, And so that's what we've been doing for the last four years. Um, And now we're more in inclusive consulting. So through marketing and communications, So working with leaders to be really intentional about what they're putting out there, being sensitive to the state of the world and making sure that folks inside and outside of their organization are feeling like validated and understood through their marketing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that so much because we we know that that's. That's not always the case no. with yep. corporate. Yeah. <laughs> we know that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like knowing that there is a marketing company that specializes in that, or like that really is trying to push that forward, it's it's something that is heartwarming mm, to yeah. know, especially in today's climate. It's
2: personal, right? Like right. It's something, yeah. That maybe the three of us, as as people of color, like don't feel ourselves represented or <laughs> didn't before yeah. twenty twenty when it became you know, the the norm or, like, mm-hmm. the trend, right? <laughs> um, you know, I certainly didn't see myself represented
1: growing up in, in media and
0: marketing. No, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I, I like this because I've... We try to, like, say this even within Wild Baby is mm-hmm. um, how we're able to grow and heal as a society, mm-hmm. and that's by connecting and learning and being inclusive towards each other. And so I feel like you within your marketing agency are doing that on a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And you're also then uplifting people of color, which is going to be transcending, you know, Mm. I think that's really special.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And I think like, for me, you know, at the end of the day, like our human nature is to want to feel a sense of belonging, right? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter where we are, who we're with. We just want to feel like we belong and that, and that we deserve to be there and that people see us and and validate us and i think for a long time i didn't think it could ever be a business because i just thought oh that's how everyone thinks and then you're like you you realize very quickly like no actually it's not how a lot of people think and if they could make more money you know capitalism if they can avoid uncomfortable conversations you know around um you know marginalized identities you know inclusive language i think a lot of the things that we deal with At Spectacle, but also just me moving through life is a lot of people kind of rolling their eyes at pronouns or being inclusive Mm. with language and things like that. And it's been a journey, certainly, to talk to people about why it's important to kind of keep those things in mind as we... Because, like, we're all human and we deserve love and and care and, like, affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Speaking of love. Mm -hmm. How is married life? Married life. Oh, my gosh. Because I remember when you mentioned that you were going to propose to Matt, mm-hmm. and I know that women proposing to men is mm-hmm. not the norm, mm-hmm. and I heard that you got a lot of backlash from that. Mm. Can you talk about that a little yeah,
2: bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would say it was a lot of backlash, but certainly some confusion, and basically the way that it happened was... um I worked in a menswear store when I moved back to Denver and Matt came in to shop at said, Matt is my fiance or fiance at the time fiance, but now husband. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I like saying fiance still. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, he came into the store to shop and, and that's how we met. And when they decided to go out of business, the the store, which was really sad, um, I'd always kind of romanticized about Matt proposing there. Like, Oh, you know, it was the first place we met but i kind of was like he's not going to th- he's not going to think <laughs> of that like i don't i don't see that happening and also we had just talked about our future and so i also couldn't see him making like the the store was closing in 2 weeks and i was like yeah there's no way that you know he's going to come to that conclusion on his own and get the ring <laughs> like it just doesn't make any sense and so i've always been the type of person that really likes to I was always the one that would make a first move. Like, I don't like to waste time. Like, if I like you, I want to tell you that I like you and then move on if you don't like me. So I've always been very, like, forward and direct. And I was like, why don't I propose? And I did anticipate that telling my parents, telling my friends, telling Matt's parents that someone might try to convince me out of it. Like, are you sure you don't want to just wait? Is it because you're impatient? Like, I've just, you know, also being... A woman that also grew up in an Asian household like I did receive a lot of messaging about like I'm really dramatic and I'm really loud and I'm a little too much and so I anticipated telling someone this really exciting plan and then them being like are you sure and then me second-guessing myself and so I didn't tell anyone until the morning of and basically I got a bouquet of flowers I didn't get a ring or anything just because I didn't really know what he would want and I on the way to the menswear store I like called my parents and was like I'm doing this and they were like wait what and I was like bye like I just hung up you know and I told my and I, I told a few of my best friends and and I just basically like just did it and I will say that there was certainly a little bit of confusion on Matt's part because I hadn't talked about it with him. Mm -hmm. So he was like, wait a sec, does this mean that I can't propose to you? Like, I had this whole plan, whatever. And I was like, no, I want us to propose to each other. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have a chance to talk to you about it because the store was going to close. And so... Basically, what ended up happening was that day we talked about it and he was like, you know, I was really excited to propose to you. And I was like, you are absolutely open to propose to me. Like, I really want that. But I also wanted to make the decision myself to propose to you. I think a lot of the times in just traditional gender roles, right, in this, like, hetero-patriarchal society, it's very much like the man makes that decision and the girl waits Mm -hmm. and then waits and waits and waits and waits and waits. And then it happens and you're like, oh, my God, what a huge surprise. And you just kind of have to say yes or you're saying no. And then the Mm. relationship falls apart. And so for me, especially being queer in, like, a hetero-passing relationship, I really wanted to set this precedent of, like, we're both choosing each other. Like, Mm. it's not just... He chooses me and I wait for him to make that grand gesture and then I say yes. And also really wanting to make it clear that there's no right or wrong way, right? Like, you absolutely should be proposed to by your partner in whatever way. If not, if if you also don't want a proposal, that's also okay. Like, whatever way works for everybody. But for me personally, I just really wanted that just like both sides of of the coin and – I also love grand gestures and showing people that I love them. And this was a way that I was able to do that. And so after the fact, people were like, wow, like, are you sure? And, you know, is he still going to propose? And I was like, yes. And then once he proposed, people kind of understood it because I was able to tell the whole story of like, Mm. here's one side and here's the other. And so it worked out. That's beautiful. Yeah. So married life has been wonderful. We did have to cancel our wedding twice because of COVID. um, But we finally got married last November um, in Joshua Tree.
1: Very cool. Yeah um i love all of this (laughs) (laughs) i i love trying to figure out the masculinity and femininity with my side yeah i'm also very like romantic in that aspect and i feel like in some aspects i should say Mm. um and sometimes i my my partner is kind of reserved so i never really sometimes know what's Mm. going on his head in his head uh, I do remember proposing to Aaron, but it was super chill. and you proposed to
2: your, you proposed to your partner?
1: I would not say technically. He would argue that it didn't feel real. <laughs> was it more like <laughs> want to get
2: married, like kind of casual, like that? So you
1: mean it was a little casual, yeah? But I w- I was definitely like I'm serious about this, and mm-hmm. I'm, this is how I'm going to show you that I'm mm-hmm. like this is me communicating, mm-hmm. like I'm ready, yeah, at least. Um, so I casually have proposed to my partner multiple times before he ever proposed to me <laughs> um but I never thought of that idea of we can both propose to each other yeah. because if I think I had that idea in my head mm. I could have made something grander which mm. I would have loved mm-hmm. I so you can always do it in five years ten years for your t- again anniversary yeah, or true,
2: something yeah. you know if you I wanted like to I, I don't think there's any uh, ever a deadline in how you no. show people love
1: yeah you know? That's true, and um, yeah, everybody's relationship is different. Like, mm-hmm. why stick to some kind of bubble, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. but um, I too had to postpone my wedding, mm. and we got married last year in May. Oh,
2: amazing! Yeah, wow, so I'm so glad you got to have it finally.
1: Yeah, likewise. It's like
2: a wild roller coaster, huh?
1: <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> it really, yeah, it was. It was wild for me. I would say also like the the norm, you know, for for a wedding is like you have to invite your family and your extended family and there are all all these people that you're expected to invite and the silver lining with having a COVID wedding um, was that I really was able to whittle it down to just my inner circle and be Mm -hmm. like hey everyone like this is the way that I want it and I really want it to be intimate and it was only it was like 60 people in Joshua Tree so it was really um, it was really special and I think if I'd actually had the wedding the way I wanted to before COVID I wouldn't have been as happy like Mm -hmm. this was really the most pared down yeah. kind of like you know meat meaty juicy version mm-hmm. of like what i wanted for yeah wow
0: yeah, well, yeah that no, awesome. makes sense yeah. like my sister's wedding was also not the like mm-hmm. not humongous because mm-hmm. i mean i don't know how it is here but like back home in asia yeah oh wedding is like the parents reunion yeah
2: <laughs> yeah no it's like you know people used to say like it's it's weddings and funerals those are, those are the only two times you get to see your family so you have to invite everyone and I was right. like, that's not my problem exactly you don't have family reunions like <laughs> <Right>. sorry <laughs> it's not my yeah. problem yeah I'm also not paying for all your asses like sorry right. you
0: know no yeah but yeah so I we love covid (laughs) weddings.
2: we love covid weddings i wouldn't have said that i wouldn't have said that maybe like a year
0: ago but now that i'm done certainly yes yeah (laughs) hate the circumstance but love the result (laughs) yes
1: yes exactly okay so as we talk about like the norm of you know american culture or even asian culture Mm. what would you define asian culture as
2: and mm. this could be, this, yeah. People, I this define is... <laughs> Asian culture
1: as in what, in what way?
2: Mm, that's true. Just kind well, of okay, like societal I mean, norms, I guess. Well, I
1: guess actually a better question is, how would you define Asian American culture? Mm,
2: yeah, that's also so yeah, nuanced, so, right? I mean, yeah. it's like it's so it's not like monolithic. Like everyone has such a different experience. I'll speak from like my my personal experience being mixed being half Japanese, half Russian Jewish and growing up in a family that was bilingual, bicultural. Like I did receive a lot of messaging from the Asian the Asian side that was very much like Work hard, you know, um, get good grades, be a good, um, I have a younger brother, so like be a good influence to your younger Mm. brother, Um, you know, be obedient, Um, you know, I would say like dating and sex were pretty taboo to talk about. Um, And then my dad's side, the Russian Jewish side is very, um, he was also a theater major, so he's very like animated and, and I would say that I was, I was very like, I was a very like boisterous and I think this word gets a bad rap because of how it's um, how people are portrayed when they are, but dramatic. Like I was a very dramatic child. I was a very like engaged and animated and energetic child. And I think because I was kind of stuck in this like mixedness and this in between the both and it was like, oh, wait, so I'm trying to be like good and quiet and obedient and you know these things and not too much not take up too much space but then on the other side like no I should be I should be direct and I should be energetic and animated and and all these things and so I would say a lot of my upbringing was very like ping-ponging and feeling like I couldn't be both I had to be one or the other and felt often like plagued by who am I? And also I, I call myself a recovering people pleaser. I always like really cared about how people thought about me. And so because also like per, per, being perceived is, you know, Asian, right? You're like, I, how am I being looked at? Yeah. How am I being perceived? How am I coming off to people? I want to come off this way, and if I'm not, I need to work to get there. And so I would say, like Asian American culture for me, and as I've learned to understand it, and, I, and more for me, it's personal. It's like mixed culture yeah. is kind of being able to hold both, and like and being comfortable with multiple truths. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I can be, I can be someone who is real like an entrepreneur and is direct and mm-hmm. is enthusiastic and is passionate and especially in, in act in activism right you have to be passionate in a lot of ways to be involved um but also um be you know th- think about like maybe not wanting to take up too much space especially like when I'm talking about being a person of color when you know sometimes people assume me to be white um you know things like that and so just kind of holding multiple truths at once and understanding that like life is full of complexities and like ambiguity and and nuance and so i would say that that for me is like how i identify with asian american culture like mixed culture yeah, yeah it sounds
1: a lot like mixed culture i was gonna say yeah. you being you
2: and i being
0: mixed like <laughs> are you, are you mixed no people? oh no, no. Like, i'm yeah. like a hundred percent chinese <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah i so wasted it. my money on ancestry dna uh,
2: oh, <laughs> i Well, you know, the (laughs) thing about, I I feel like with Asian Americans, and and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, is like, I think that mixedness lives within all of us, whether we're mixed race or not. Right. Being an Asian person, Mm -hmm. immigrating to America, Mm -hmm. and being that bilingual, bicultural half and half, and then also raising a mixed child, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you Mm -hmm. kind of examine those themes often. Oh, a
0: lot. A lot of times. Um, Okay, so a brief explanation. (laughs) Yes. My only education on America came off from Hollywood Mm -hmm. prior to coming here. Representation's important. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So when I got here, I was like, wow, America isn't really all that Hollywood made up to be. Mm -hmm. There's just so many things that I was like, wow, this is so different. Mm -hmm. Like, where is the American dream? What would you Mm -hmm. say
1: that you were... Like, this isn't, like, the
0: movies. Mm. Just curious. The movies are just very romanticized. Even when, you, when you're when you in Indonesia, if you, are native Indonesians, when they look at Americans, white people, they romanticize them so much. And mm. it seemed like they would try to be as nice to get them to like them, mm. if that makes sense. Because it's so romanticized. It's very, oh, the West is very grand. It's very amazing. Like, you could be whoever you want in the West. So when I got here, I was just like, wow. Mm -hmm. It's not all that made up to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, especially coming from, like, a family where, you know, like, a college degree is very important. Mm -hmm. And then I knew people who got married right off Mm -hmm. high school i was like this is different like this feels like this doesn't feel like the movies for me like where are the kids that go to college where are the sorority house girls where are the fraternity boys like you don't want those no exactly because like even in the movies they made it so like fun and like in reality rape culture is Mm -hmm. very deep And, like, Mm. sorority houses and, like, fraternity houses. So I was just, like... They only focus on the good. Right. They really just focus on the good. And then when I got here, it opened my eyes to a lot of things that opened my eyes to a lot of, like, really deep issues that America is facing, Mm. but not a lot of people want to talk about. No,
1: Mm. Yeah,
2: that's another thing about America is we're, like, there's a lot of, like, blind patriotism. Like, we are the best, you know, we you know this is the way that it is and mm-hmm. we'd rather not talk about discomfort and something I I like to talk about with people is like what does patriotism mean mm-hmm. to each and every one of us for me it's like challenging the country or the you know or the person or whoever it is to be the best versions of themselves and I think our country is made up of so many incredible hard-working people yeah. mostly immigrants and yeah. people of color and you know, queer people, marginalized identities. And I wish that we regarded
0: them as the most important because they are. <laughs> I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I want to say like right now, raising a mixed baby, I want her to, I want, I want her to know her Indonesian Chinese background. I also want her to really know her Mexican mm-hmm. side. Yeah. Um, Julio and I, we always talk about, we don't want to raise a sabo kid. What does that mean? Like, I don't know. Oh. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, you know. Or like, yeah, like, no sabo, like, I don't know, don't know, or, know I can't, are, or, like, don't I don't know how to speak Spanish, even mm. though you're part Mexican. Oh, yeah. mm. Your child is going to be a superwoman. Yeah, oh my For God. Entrepreneur, I mean,
2: Scorpio, <laughs> in control, like, direct. Yes. She's going to be like, she's going to be like bossing people around. Like, oh has, like, yeah, I Like, 15 no. businesses. Yeah, we
0: know, this, this is why we really want to put her in like, group setting, like, kids play dates. Sure. Because she doesn't know how to play with other kids. Mm. She knows how to tell them what to do. She's a manager. (laughs) Yeah. She knows how to supervise them, but she doesn't know how to play together with other children. Sure. Because, like, she's very independent. And we, like, we know, like, and we talk about it all the time. We're like, we have to, we have to know how to direct her properly Mm. because otherwise she's gonna be a, a a huge pain in the ass.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And probably a bully too. Oh my God, that is so funny. (laughs) Yeah, like, I think socializing with other kids might help and just learning about, like listening and yeah. you know, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not a parent yet, but I, I don't know. Yeah, so
2: we're like, both of us are like, we're like cat and it's dog okay. parents, but that's
1: about it. I, I see it from afar. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. And I choose not to do that right now. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> and yeah, it's okay. That's very valid.
0: Bit. Like parenting is so hard. hard. Have a kid. They say, i will be fun. They say, oh my God. Oh my God. Rewarding and Rewarding
2: so and terrifying too. <laughs> you're raising the next generation of boss (laughs) boss babies
1: seriously (laughs) damn well though she's so good she's just great um so our next question pertains to like the marketing um Mm -hmm. and why you chose to so i know that you didn't necessarily pitch the idea Mm -hmm. but like why did you decide to be a part of it, mm. and what did that mean for you as an a- Asian American? Mm. You mean like the agency in in general? Right. The yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say that partnering with another really strong Asian American queer woman is very empowering. Like we have really similar values, and we you know, we were activists outside of our work and a lot of times we would kind of separate our personal lives and, and the values that we had personally and then with work. And mm. I felt like a lot of the work that I was doing, of course I would bring things up, but if I wasn't listened to, it's like, well, at the end of the day, you got to get a check, you know? So I would just kind of think to myself, oh, well, like my activism work is just something I do on my own and that's it. And, and I feel really, really privileged to be able to kind of weave my activism work in what I do. Like it's not just a nine to five job. It's, it's a 24 seven mentality of thinking about how I build up my community, you know, how I have conversations with people that make both of us uncomfortable and really expand our minds and just really investing in the time and energy to learn and, and, Mm -hmm. and think about different people that, you know, I want to help or, you know, that I want to represent fairly and, Equitably, um, but I will say that I mean mo- a lot of the people on our team at Spectacle are Asian American, and they're all there are mostly people of color. All actually, right now they're like all people of color. Um, but what what's important to me as as a mixed American person is that we are I don't know that I that I'm able to work in a setting that feels really good and that I feel like I belong in too. I think a lot of my experience with work has felt like I don't belong in this place or, you know, maybe I feel like I do and then I say something and I'm shut down right away and something that we try to do at Spectacle is really just be open-minded to all perspectives and backgrounds and just understand that every person's voice is is important, you know, as long as they're not being like harmful or violent, um, but just being able to talk about all of those things.
1: Yeah. I just want to recognize or give you a moment to just say how fucking badass it is <laughs> that you have a whole team of people of color. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like Yeah.
2: It's it's I'm shitty like, that it's I'm rare. A,
1: let me take a moment. Like it's here. shitty
2: that it's rare, but it <laughs> is yeah and it feels really good it feels really special and it feels like there's this unspoken kind of understanding of like you know for example like when the Atlanta shooting happened Mm. you know like that I didn't have to show up to work all smiley right like we all took a day and we all slacked each other and offered our support and just talked about it and just kind of sat in the sadness and the discomfort and just kind of the the hopelessness of the whole situation and I felt like. In my previous jobs, I wouldn't have been able to do that without people bombarding me asking me, you know, why aren't I at work or why aren't I in a good have a good attitude or in a good mood or whatever it is. And I feel like one of the most special things about having my partnership with Katerina, but also having a team of people um, that are of a marginalized identity is just like we just get it and there's just an unspoken kind of understanding and, and bond and it's something that I certainly never take for granted because I, as you said like it's really rare and I just wish that yeah I just wish that that was not the case I wish that it was yeah. the norm you know yeah. but it's
1: exciting regardless yeah so like, exciting yeah. both and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah totally yeah we're, we're on the rise of transcending yeah. of just that whole culture of I don't know especially in the media and marketing yeah inclusivity yeah um i just don't hear too many Mm -hmm. um, very inclusive places for marketing especially Mm -hmm. i don't know
2: not in denver yeah not in denver yeah it feels also we're we're fully remote so um a lot of our team i'm actually the currently i'm the only person in denver so everyone is in different places so we have someone in Portland, Katarina, my business partners in Copenhagen. We have someone in Atlanta, someone in Queens. So, um, Very we have cool. people all over the place. And I also do think that 2020 with the virtue, like the, the virtual nature of our work, mm-hmm. um, and, and of a lot of people's work, right. It, that kind of transformed, um, allows us to find talent outside of our own little bubbles. And I think that that's such a blessing, yeah, really cool. um, that people can, you know they're not like oh I need this person to be hyper local um, Mm. necessarily it's like I'm looking for a copywriter and I'm looking for a copywriter that understands this lived experience as a trans person or whatever it is and that there are hundreds of thousands of millions of quadrillion people that are able
1: to apply for that feels really exciting yeah that's really neat Mm -hmm. yeah Mm
0: -hmm. I love that so much yeah I don't know like it shows that you know we don't have to go to the office mm-hmm. to go to work. Oftentimes, we're more productive when we're not in an office, right? Mm-hmm. When you're just like in your underwear, you can still do work. Mm-hmm. Like who says <laughs> who says you can't do work just in your underwear? It's what I do
2: every day, exactly. Basically, I just have my top half on for the camera, and then like, <laughs> what? you know what I mean. Like, and I think at the end of the, day, at least for me, as someone with with anxiety, like mm-hmm. I always felt like I had to be this version of myself at yeah. the office that I didn't necessarily recognize mm-hmm. and I do think that it impacted the way that I acted towards coworkers workers mm-hmm. and, and and saw myself in the workforce and I do feel like I can truly be the most authentic right version of myself like
0: especially like growing up Asian mm-hmm. that whole image is mm-hmm. everything. everything I feel like You, like, being able to just, you know, be in your skin, Mm -hmm. being comfortable, even though you're working from home, that is important. Totally. Yeah. It's absolutely important. So, still kind of tying into business, Mm. what changes do you think other companies could adopt Mm. to make their business more inclusive and safe for just, you
1: know,
0: everyone's community? community? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, There's so many things.
2: I think the easiest thing that, you know, not even just brands or organizations, but just individuals like entrepreneurs um, adopting is like inclusive language, Mm. like Mm. really thinking about how we're addressing people, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if like, you know, for example, let's say that it's a skincare brand and we're assuming, oh, only women use skincare. So, hey, girls, like, hey, boss babes, right? Like, this language is already excluding an entire group of people. Everyone right. deserves good skin. Yeah. Right? Everyone deserves to pamper themselves and to invest in self-care. And when you change just that little piece of your marketing, inclusive language and also imagery, those are like, right, like what, what you see and what you read, Um you know in ableist terms but like you know making sure that you are speaking to people besides like one gender that you think are the only people that are going to be paying attention right yeah Mm -hmm. to your brand um and then you know like imagery again back to this like skincare example like you know um making sure that you are using pictures of people that aren't just of one look you know whether it's a femme person or or mask person whatever it is and just really giving people the opportunity to make the choice for themselves if they want to invest in your product like at the end of the day if we're thinking about capitalism like don't we want as many people to resonate with our brand and our values and our product as possible well if that's the case then we should be opening it up to to more people than just who we think Mm -hmm. is um, our prime audience so i would say inclusive language and imagery um is is a very i i say it's a pretty simple way to kind of to what to integrate into your strategy and then i also think like You know, when you start a business or, or, you know, when you have an organization, you think about, okay, what are the things I need? And you're like, I need an accountant, like I need like a chief financial officer to, to take care of all of the finances. And I need a head of marketing and I need, you know, you kind of operations like you think in your head of like, what are the things that you need to succeed? And, and to make it big or whatever mm-hmm. it is that your goal is and inclusivity isn't really a part of that like why don't people have inclusivity consultants like you know it's uh it's pride month you know how are we going to strategize a marketing plan that doesn't tokenize people that isn't performative and that truly brings in that community 365 days of the year um, and so I think that inclusivity especially after 2020 is seen as just like a, a mad dash to like not get in trouble and to like mm. not get canceled instead of how do we uplift communities and make them feel a sense of belonging? Not just because we think that we're going to get canceled if we don't, but, but really because we care. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really important. And as we're seeing with Gen Z, um, you know, I, I read a statistic the other day. It was, it was something like, I think it was like 85% of Gen Z people really take into consideration a brand's values before investing in their product. Interesting. Um, Which I think with the age of TikTok and things like that, don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. But, (laughs) you know, just with this new generation being so educated and seeing that representation through Mm. things like TikTok, I mean, you can find, like, asexual indigenous TikTok. Like, every single type of person is represented on TikTok because we're all in charge of our own content, right? And, And I think that more... Of this younger generation is really concerned about the impacts that business is making in our world. Mm. So that's what I would suggest.
0: Yeah, I was watching earlier today. I was watching this TikTok. Mm-hmm. This makeup artist from Sephora mm. was doing like this whole skit about straight men going to Sephora. Mm. And then the straight man was like, Yeah, I need something that is like four in one yeah you know yeah. like you have shampoo conditioner <laughs> you know motor oil yeah. and, <laughs> and I was just like cracking up but at the same time I'm like that is true though like because Sephora is not just catered for women like I mean yeah maybe at first it yeah. was a makeup store but now they do carry a lot of like men line yeah. like fragrance or yeah. like just skincare and skincare is not just for women and when we think about like that, especially like with, with men and they're like they're four
2: and one or, you know, like using dish soap to wash their faces or whatever, like that's also due to our society telling men that this is right. the sect of skincare, body care or whatever that are yours. And then everything else makes you feminine, makes mm-hmm. you gay, makes you these things, right? Society told us for a long time that really only smack dab, you know women who are heterosexual mm-hmm. deserve skincare and all and this yeah. array of of kind of like cosmetics yeah. right and I think also something that inclusive marketing does is educate mm-hmm. like if you know it, Sephora is an incredible example of a brand that is really inclusive with their marketing you mm-hmm. know making sure that You know, they're offering I think they offer classes to trans and non-binary or just queer folks to practice doing makeup um, Mm -hmm. in their in their um, stores because it can be really affirming, like gender affirming. Um, So so as
1: a first generation mixed Asian American, Mm -hmm. how do you think that you move through Mm -hmm. social um, injustices and or political values versus your parents? Like, how do you think Those ideas differ. They're so different. Yeah. Do you have an example? Yeah, absolutely.
2: So when the Atlanta shooting happened, Mm -hmm. um, I've never, to start, I've never felt super comfortable talking about politics with my parents, even though they are living in San Francisco. They like love gay people. They're like liberal with a capital L. Like Mm. when it goes past a certain point, it's really hard to talk about like intersectional feminism or like trans rights or inclusive marketing. Things like that um, are a little tough to talk with them. Certainly it's improved, especially these last two years, because I've really been able to keep my cool as i have conversations (laughs) with them which you know i'm working on um but an example is um the the atlanta shooting Mm -hmm. and you were talking a lot about how coming from indonesia you really only saw america represented in this one specific way and you kind of you know believe that is truth because that's really your only representation Mm -hmm. and i think that i don't want to speak for all immigrants but Traditionally, it seems like especially when Asian people immigrate, there's this need to want to assimilate. Yeah. And to be viewed as an American. Mm -hmm. And I also think that that's kind of where the term like Asian American might have been born. You know, if you want to identify a certain type of way and you don't want people to think of you as other because we do that as a lot in America right like Mm -hmm. viewing you as like a less than because you emigrated here and you're not a real American and kind of like what even is a real American right Mm. and so I feel that when my mom immigrated here when she was in her when she was in her early 20s like that there was a huge push to assimilate and because Asian culture wasn't as widely accepted as it is now and so I also think that her definitions of racism look really different from mine like you know we talk a lot In this day about microaggressions and about how racism can be overt or covert like they can be really blatant like you know I don't like you because you're blank but it can also be as little as you know let's say like a black person with dreads being called unprofessional right yeah which is racist but maybe someone wouldn't you know because it's more covert like maybe someone Mm. someone might not see it as racist and so going back to the example is when the atlanta shooting happened you know we learned that it was someone who that the person who shot all of those um poor asian asian women in those um in the in the massage ma- parlor. Ma- massage parlor um, was someone who had an asian fetish and wrote on his facebook before he did it that he was trying to eradicate the temptation and when i you know, I think when that happened, we were calling a lot of our Asian elders and saying, are you okay? You know, this happened and, you know, this could have been you in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. And when I called my mom to talk to her, she was like, oh, that guy was just crazy. It was just a coincidence that they were all Asian. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mom, like, no, it was not a coincidence. He Mm -hmm. was, he even said he was trying to eradicate the temptation. Mm -hmm. Like he was, he, he wanted to hurt these people um, because of who they were and their identities and we got into a huge argument about it. I mean, I was feeling extra raw because of what had just happened and was calling my mom to comfort her. And the response I was getting was, you're overreacting, this has nothing to do with identity, and he's just a crazy person. And this could have happened to anyone. And in that moment, of course, I was super angry and I was upset and you know, you're know, you kind of like, you're enraged by what's happened and you're trying to really raise awareness about like anti-Asian hate and all these things. But I also just remembering that, like, there's also you might want to protect yourself, too. Like as an Asian person who's immigrated here, you might not want to think about how people don't like you and don't want you to be here. Right. Like you also want to maybe protect yourself a little bit. And I think something that I've gotten to terms with, especially with my mom, as we continue these conversations is like maybe you don't want to look at the truth. Like maybe it's more painful to admit that. There are always going there's always going to be a sense of othering, even though my mom has been here for 40 years and has was a translator for the federal government and now teaches yoga in both Japanese and English. She's a fucking superwoman. But will she ever be viewed as American, even though she now recently became an American citizen? And so I think that's also a little bit of my like. I have to be open-minded to that experience too. Like I'm not an immigrant. I was born here Mm -hmm. and there is a sense of sureness and confidence in the fact that I am American by definition in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's another part of like inclusivity is also like being open to other people's realities and like, working with that <laughs> and being yeah. able to get to, of course, common. I, I, I even asked her, I was like, what, how do you define racism? Right. Like, what is a hate crime to you? She was like, you know, when people go to Chinatown and they say you're Asian and boop in the face and I'm like, that's pretty overt, right? That's mm-hmm. blatant, right? Yeah. Where's the gradient yeah. there, right? Like if, you know, if you see someone in the street and they're like, you know, and, or, you know, someone you know, someone, someone sees an Asian person and, and says some sort of slur that like if it's not violent, it's okay. Like racism can yeah. be not violent. Too. Yeah, so
0: after that shooting happened, mm-hmm. like I wanna say this like a few months after mm-hmm. I was still streaming on Twitch and whatnot. So oh, like really? this guy that I was talking to, he's amazing. But one of his viewers mm-hmm. I was I was in his stream, I was talking to him, one of his viewers was like, Oh hey mama, let me let me you know, let me tap you. I've never been with a chink before. Yeah disgusting i was like
2: the boldness. what
0: the fuck like i like my heart dropped because that was like the first time ever mm-hmm. like someone said that to me yeah and then my reaction was just like some may think it was over dramatic but for me i was like that is unacceptable but my friend he is amazing and he was like yo bro that's not cool yeah. i need you to get get out of this mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm blocking you that is so not cool yeah. what you did that's my friend, yeah, so he he got blocked, and then recently, my sister told me she works at a restaurant. Mm. This group of guys came into the restaurant, they were drunk, doesn't justify it. Mm. they start calling her um Wuhan mm. hey yo Wuhan, we need yeah. your help, hey yo Wuhan, you're so cute, yeah, that's not like a slur, but like.
2: It's insinuating so much. Right. And I think also when a lot of people, like a lot of people don't really understand the correlation of Trump and COVID to the rise, the huge, mm-hmm. like explosive rise of anti-Asian hate. And I think it's something that we all need to consider when we're talking about language like that. Like, yeah. you know, language is so important and it's the way that we identify and can really shape our self-worth and our value and there's a lot of people that say oh it's just a joke oh I'm just you know I'm just joking around but at the end of the day they really can have so much harm and jokes lead to stereotypes Mm -hmm. which lead to violence which leads to murder so it's like There's like a direct pipeline between something that might seem like just humor to having that become a general understanding, a stereotype of that community, which then leads to true violence and, you know, um, and hate. And so, yeah, it's, it's just like it's very complicated. And I think generationally. It's really important to be having these conversations and bringing things like this up with our parents, but also not looking at it as like we are right and they are wrong because Mm -hmm. we're younger and we know. And something I'm really working on is, you know, they have their own experiences that are really different from us, and it's not like one is right or one isn't. It's more about how do we how do we get to a common ground and and Mm -hmm. understand that at the end of the day, like what we're all fighting against is like white supremacy and mm-hmm. racism and all of these things that are really terrible um and how can we do that intergenerationally like together instead of looking at it as like oh old people don't know shit like mm-hmm. we have to you fix know, it. we yeah. have to fix this mm-hmm. ourselves it's like well also they might not know because of how they grew up and if anything we're excited about changing that paradigm and how do we do that and educate our parents and um and do it
0: together too so i guess since we're still in this topic I know we have to wrap up. So well, you be. Yeah. yeah. Last question. What would you say to younger generations that are born mixed mm. or that are immigrating, mm. but kids that felt so out of place mm. because of their identity? Mm.
1: Ooh, this might heal me. Mm.
0: <laughs> I
2: mean... You know, I can also only really like h- what I would what I would have wanted to hear um, was that like you attract people when you are proud of the mosaic of like background that you have. Like all three of us have such rich, beautiful ancestry, right? Mm-hmm. And especially with these generations having access to things like TikTok, where they can truly find people that represent their cultures, their way of thinking in such an incredible way, like looking for looking for things like that, looking for groups of people that that you can really relate to. There's so many, you know, online forums and, and things like that. And and also, I think for me, what's helped heal me is really looking into that history, like my mom moving here at you know 18 and like not knowing a single word of English and like wow she went through so much and 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 storytelling and you know really listening to her experiences and talking to my dad and 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 listening to you know what his ancestry was like and how he met my mom and what attracted you know him to her and and they're such different people with different backgrounds like how did they mesh together and create me and what are the things that i carry from both of them that i that i you know bring forward and so i think for just future generations just Like, you are, you belong no matter, you know, what your background looks like, who you love, who loves you, what you like to do. Like, diversity is what makes us so beautiful. And just be able to kind of, like, lean into that. And I know that that's a little bit harder when you're younger. You're still trying to figure out who you are. But that, like, it's, like, the journey is what's so beautiful. Like, no, Mm -hmm. you never get to a point where you're like well this is who i am and that's it right like my identity three years ago is different than it was today and so just being open to that kind of fluidity and people will be attracted to that and you'll kind of find your people in your community
1: that's so beautiful and when you talk about you'll find your people i was on the journey of self-love and like figuring out what my culture was a little bit more just because i was one of the no (laughs) say people so I went through a period where I started finding mixed communities Mm -hmm. and that felt so rare Mm. and I've never felt so comforted Mm. and so like I don't know it was such a beautiful experience because they recognized Mm -hmm. that I was more than just indigenous Mm -hmm. or I was more than just white or black it was like no, I see you as a mixed woman. I recognize that you're also this, you're and that's pretty powerful. Yeah. And like that can like bring you to tears because oh, it's like 100%. 30%. It's just why it's like a separation of we want to identify you as this because this is what you most look like. We're mm. so,
2: we're seen as such fragmented people. Like yeah. we're half this, we're half that, we're not enough of this, we're not enough of that, and it's like, no, we are all yeah. we are all that's why it's actually I don't even really like to say I'm half Japanese half white anymore I like the word mixed I like saying I'm Japanese and Russian Jewish like even changing that language can be really empowering and speaking of that I do I do teach a workshop for mixed people oh, on okay. how to reflect on Ooh. identities and mi- like the mixedness so I'll tell you about it later oh, shit. Then, yeah
0: You know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, (laughs) you can't even plug it in right here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us what's
0: next. (laughs) Well,
2: um, the dates haven't been chosen yet, but um, I teach a six-week workshop called Mixed Roots um, that helps... um, you know, mixed background folks uh, kind of explore how they move through life with kind of that sense of both and and the mixedness. And, and we kind of pull from, you know, literature and media and really kind of, I mean, six weeks, you really can't do everything. But it's just almost like a starter to looking at life as a mixed person um, through this lens of complexity and ambiguity in this both and and that we're, we're just this like, mosaic of of beauty Um, and I think that our society has told us so many things about what we look like and how that makes us blank or you know well you must not be Asian enough because you appear this way Mm. or how Asian really are you or even I don't know if you've gotten the question what are you before right like we've almost become a guessing game for people and this workshop for for me when I did it it was very much like how do we define our own identities when our whole lives again don't want to speak for everyone but my whole life I was building my identity versus on how I was perceived right Mm -hmm. someone's like oh you're white passing I'm like oh I'm white passing okay I'm white passing right like and I started to use that language instead of being like no like how do I want to identify right like I can I can acknowledge that people may perceive me as white that's not my fault (laughs) What Like, okay, right? And then I can correct them, right? Or I can talk to them about who I am and I am white, but I am also Japanese and my Asian culture is so important in my life. You can't just delete that because of the way that you perceive me. Um, And so, yeah, that's something that we talk about a lot. So I will be in touch with the the further details of that, but I just wanted to mention it as something that you might be interested in. Sweet. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool stuff you're doing. Where Um,
0: can people contact you?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Sitting Shotgun. Um or um the marketing uh, agency uh Instagram which
1: is at Spectacle Marketing, all one word.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well thank you so much thank for being both. here. It was such a pleasure.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I really loved the conversation. Thanks for being open yeah. to telling your story and kind of connect with us and other people, hopefully, that are watching. So thank yay. you so much. Thank you, love. <laughs> Yay. All right, wild babies. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Today's affirmation is, I'm deserving of unconditional love and respect.
0: Stay safe. Stay sexy. Wild Wild baby. Baby. Oh, we're so cute. (laughs) You like your cupcakes and sprinkles? Yeah. What else? That was a good cupcake. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)